So there. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. Why do you keep saying let us know your thoughts? Let me know your thoughts to me is a nice lead-in for So There. So There. Welcome to episode 25 of So So There. There. I'm Tom Karamitis. I'm Gary Doyle. We made it to 25 episodes. (laughs) And this one... (laughs) We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll dwarf all of the others in one particular measurable. It's raw length. 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 It's this all is about going length in the podcast world. <laughs> this is like going to be like when an advertiser serves up a 42-minute pre-roll. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want to sit through a 42-minute ad before I get to my content, but you're going to have to. This We're calling this the filibuster episode so for those of you who didn't pay attention in civics class and i know that's most of you admit it you didn't you didn't pay attention in civics class a filibuster is something that happens in the united states senate it is uh it is an action such as a prolonged speech that obstructs progress in the legislative assembly while not technically contravening the required procedures i read that off of a google page search Five minutes ago. It is uh, senators who just ramble on and on and on to keep legislation from being passed. Or brought to a vote, right? Or, or brought to a vote, yeah. yes. And uh, famously, most recently, Senator Ted Cruz, uh, in a filibuster, read from Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> At one point, resorted to reading Dr. Seuss books just to fill up time. We're not going to do that, but... This is the filibuster episode. So settle in, America. (laughs) Settle in. Have several meals planned. Settle in, get a cocktail of your choosing. Perhaps start a fire. In fact, if this might be a good episode to save if you have a long drive ahead of you and you wonder, (coughs) excuse me, how you will you stay alert? Good point, Tom. On a personal note, if I may inject one, I, I really wanted to get this filibuster episode done for that reason because my daughter, Maddie, and her boyfriend, Luke, were driving cross-country to Denver, and I wanted them to have a an 18-hour podcast <laughs> to listen to. Unfortunately, we didn't get it done. They made it there safely. I'm very happy to say <coughs> love you both. Well, we will kick things off with... I, I Decree. decree. I Decree is a segment that we do on the podcast from time to time. And the idea of this is that if we, if Tom and Gary were kings of the world, what would we decree? What would be our decrees? What would be our our fiats? What would be our regulations that we would decree to the world if we were kings? And by the way, that stinger you just heard. I Decree. Was done by John Bender, master engineer, uh, sound mixer at another country. Uh, John produced the theme song of our podcast that everybody loves. Gary was um, <coughs> disappointed that I didn't embrace the stinger because Gary went and produced the stinger on his own. <coughs> it kind of hurt me a little bit. It felt like in a sense, it felt like Gary went out and had an affair, all right? Mm. He had an affair, and then he felt guilty about the affair, so uh, he belatedly asked me to go over to John Bender's to add my voice to the stinger as well, but that felt to me like merely Gary was inviting me into a threesome with his, his new lover. Mm. So um, Gary was perturbed that I didn't embrace the stinger, the Stinger, which is the product of the love union of Gary Doyle and John Bender. I decree. I think John, I think Tom Karamitis is a little jealous of John Bender's technical facilities. Gary Doyle is the, as everybody knows, is the creative director in the same way that realtors are realtors, 
on Realtor.com commercials. Talk to your local Realtor. Um, but Gary Doyle is a creative director. Tom Karamitis is the producer. And so Tom Karamitis is a little threatened by somebody like John Binder and his technical facilities. And I think that's what's happening here. All right. Well, I've said my piece. I was over at John Binder's for a session. And when we were done, John took five minutes putting this together. I think it's brilliant. I urged Tom. You, you could Tom, have called and said, hey, or texted me, hey, can you run over to John's studio for five minutes? We're doing a stinger. We all know you're very, very important, you know, titled and well-titled producer at Leo Burnett, executive producer. What is the chance that you would just be sitting around and able to run over to John Bender's studio? Unlikely. The master producer has many things going on. But nothing is higher on my to-do list than something having to do with So There. So I would have come over. This will be the first of probably 17 or 18 squabbles in the filibuster episode. Stay with us. Well, <clears throat> all right. So why don't I why don't I launch into our first I decree? I, I decree. decree. And 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 this one is I decree no more surveys. The world has gone survey crazy. I find any time I do anything with anyone, I get a survey in my email. And I will give you an example. I, I, I leased a new car recently, and as you could probably expect, I would get a survey. I did get a survey in my email. It was from J.D. Power. And I am, this is not an exaggeration. The survey was 100 pages long, and the survey was about the dealership. It was not about the car. It was about my experience at the dealership. So I decree no more surveys. I've had enough. That's a good decree. I do get a lot of surveys. I, I ordered a, I get, I, I get, you know who sends me surveys all the time is United Airlines. Now you think that airlines wouldn't want to know about your experience, you know, because they're used to not great feedback, but I get them from them all the time. I got them today from Wayfair. I ordered a piece of furniture from Wayfair. How was your experience? Yeah, I mean, anytime you tech support, anytime you call a business or email a business, within about 45 seconds, you get the survey. So here's my question. Why? Uh, do you feel that they truly want to know how they did as a company? Do you feel like this is some kind of nefarious way to get your email address or to, if you engage with this, then they see you as more of a customer that they can target with future uh, promotions. What is their what is their aim, or am I being too cynical? Is it simply better customer service? Help us improve. I uh, I don't know what their aim is. I, I I would probably default to the fact that maybe their 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 aim is sincere. They they want feedback, but I think they should really uh, offer things, more incentives for me to do the the surveys, even if it's a five dollars off my next whatever yeah, they you never know, do anything that. what they often do is enter you into a drawing if you do the survey you'll get like a five hundred dollar credit at wayfair or what have you but it's a drawing right and you never hear another word about it because yeah 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 five dollars five dollars would be good a, a free year of listening to so there would be another <laughs> perhaps incentive that these companies might consider <laughs> they're so they're so big and they have so much going on that they don't really bother to check that So There is free to all our listeners. So that could be a gambit to attract a company partnership to their survey. Perhaps. So There. My decree is about lazy songwriting. Tom and I have talked about uh, bad lyrics, I think, on this podcast before. Um, one of my all-time favorite lyrics, and I don't necessarily think this is lazy, because I want to talk about lazy lyricism. I, I, I think one of the one of the all-time worst songwriting lyrics that I referred to was the uh, Yes song, Roundabout, and the line was, In and Around the Lake mountains come out of the sky and they stand there that is one of the worst but uh that's 
bad. That That is perhaps grasping ambitiously for a metaphor <laughs> or something, or maybe they were just high on drugs when they wrote that. But, but there's another subset of lyricism that's lazy, lazy lyricism, and I'd like to... I'd like to decree that that stops. So I, I have a couple of examples. One is uh, one that Tom is familiar with because we, <laughs> I think Tom has sung this in a karaoke bar. Lady in Red. Lady in Red, the song by <laughs> one-hit wonder Chris DeBerg. Chris DeBerg. Um, Lady in Red has a lyric. There's a lot of, the whole song is really inane lyrics and lazy lyrics but there's one line that says I've never seen you looking so gorgeous as you did tonight I've never seen you shine so bright you were amazing you were amazing that's the part I struggle with really I mean I get I get the thought I get the emphasis I get the idea but is there not a more poetic way to say that you were amazing and also come on what line is going to rhyme with amazing following that nothing so you wrote that a you just kind of tossed it off you you were amazing <laughs> and then not even thinking about lyricism and songwriting you know pentameter which is the next line has to rhyme with that nothing rhymes with amazing that's lazy lyricism I'll give you one more example. All right, since this is the filibuster episode, we can we can talk for a while for you on your cross country journey. Uh, I read an article about um, John Cougar Mellencamp uh, when he wrote Pink Houses, the hit Pink Houses. He actually said this in an interview. He said, "You know, it's one of my best songs. <coughs> I'm really proud of it." And he goes, "When I wrote that song." I nailed the first two uh, paragraphs, the first two uh, verses, lyrically. I nailed it. And the third one, I kind of just telephoned it in. I said, oh, screw it. I'm done writing this song. And I really kind of kind of just phoned it in on the third verse. And I thought that was really interesting. One for him to admit that and the other that, you know, that he did that. And so I went and I looked up the song, the lyrics to the song. And, and, and sure enough, the first two... The first two verses are very, um, very visual, very succinct. Uh, they paint the picture for you, and they're excellent lyric writing. So, this is from Pink Houses. There's a black man with a black cat living in a black neighborhood. He's got an interstate running through his front yard. You know, he thinks he's got it so good. And there's a woman in the kitchen cleaning up the evening slop, and he looks at her and says, Hey, darling, I remember when you could stop a clock. That's really good stuff. And then the chorus, we all know this, Ain't That America for You and Me. Ain't That America something to see. Ain't That America home of the free little pink houses for you and me. The second verse, equally good, I think. Well, there's a young man in a t-shirt listening to a rock and roll station. He's got a greasy hair, greasy smile. He says, Lord, this must be my destination. Because they told me when I was younger, said, boy, you're going to be president. But just like everything else, those crazy old dreams just kind of came and went really good really good okay then we get to the third verse now here's how the third verse goes after those two tight succinct visual uh, verses third one goes well <laughs> well there's people and more people what do they know no no go to work in some high-rise and vacation down at the Gulf of Mexico and there's winners and there's losers, but they ain't no big deal. Because the simple man, baby, pays the thrills, pays for thrills, the bills, the pills that kill. All right? Now, that's just kind of a string of non sequiturs and, and, uh, and meaningless platitudes. And, uh, and yeah, I think he kind of phoned it in. So two really good verses from Pink Houses and one lazy verse so two songwriting uh, lazy verse writing episodes that I would like to decree should be stopped you know uh, I have one song that comes to mind that falls into a very similar category um, Roberta Flack Killing Me Softly which I thought was 
such and we it was another song Gary and I used to do when, during our karaoke days. I think you did it. I didn't do it. I think you did it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you nailed it. You crushed it. Nah, stop. Yeah. Um, but the, the 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 it was it's such a beautifully written song. I thought, but then they got lazy in the last verse when there was a line. And I think it said, um, "Oh." And he just kept on singing, singing clear and strong, which to me is just, you know, it's fine. It's a bit of a throwaway, but, but considering what came before it, it's a letdown. It's also the last verse before they go into the final chorus. So it has always stuck with me as, you know, you get, you, you, the first 95%, you can't quite close the deal. So, yeah, I, 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 I would share in your decree, no more lazy lyric writing. Take, you know what? Take another day. The record company can wait. Take another day and craft it. When Tom sang Killing Me Softly, though, trust me, it didn't sound lazy. It sounded like magic. It sounded like, like love and passion and magic. And speaking of karaoke, may I decree? So Tom and I have done our share of karaoke performances before and uh, I enjoy singing karaoke uh, but I would like to decree that if you're going to sing karaoke you should not sing it with a group don't sing it with a group of people don't go up there with the three or four friends ears and you know belt out paradise by the dashboard light or what have you you know have the courage to go up there on stage and sing it by yourself and if it takes alcohol, so, so be it. Oh, for sure. So That's, be I it. Think, I think alcohol is... Get out there in front of the world. I think alcohol is... I, I think most karaoke alcohol is present in uh, sometimes in in vast quantities. So that's not an issue. Uh, Tom, Tom Karamitis and I have been known to sing duets, admittedly. Uh, you know, we have tackled Ebony and Ivory, among others. We've also tackled Dancing Queen. What else have we tackled? I tend to remember just the songs that I do, <laughs> although I remember Gary Doyle's uh, f famous moment at Karaoke Blue when he took out a much-used saxophone and did the famous saxophone solo during My Sharona, or what you turned into a saxophone solo. I took Sharona. the guitar solo in My Sharona and, and played it, it sax on a saxophone yes. that God, how many, God knows how many mouths had been on. I just picked it up and played it, and uh, yeah. yeah. As Billy Joel said in Piano Man, it... What do you say about the microphone? It smells like a beer. Smells like a beer, right. Yeah. Tom Karamitis owned the stage at Karaoke Bleu, which is a, a karaoke bar in the Japanese section of Los Angeles. Very authentic. Lots of Japanese people there, not, not idiots like Tom and I. But people that take it seriously, Tom Karamitis played the bongos on stage in a, in a performance of Africa. Toto. The Toto song. Yeah, there's a, as you know, there's bongos in that song, and Tom, during the long instrumental break in the middle, took the plain bongos. I decree that we need to put an end to advertising pomposity. Mm. All right? Advertising has been getting a little little top heavy the last few years a lot of and a lot of these things show up in the Super Bowl and I know we've talked about Super Bowl commercials before but where there'll be some kind of reading of a, of a Walt Whitman poem or something to start off but I saw something recently over the last few months uh, that really struck me as, as as driving this point home it was a commercial with a bunch of um, Spanish-speaking people with uh, in front of a gray sweep looking at camera and they are reading the, uh, the preamble to the Constitution, we the people, on and on and on. And it's very nice, and you wonder, okay, what is this about? What this commercial was for, it was Final for... Final net? What? The hairspray final net? No. no. <laughs> they may be doing it too. This was for Xfinity. They are selling a, <laughs> a bilingual remote control. This is a... <laughs> Xfinity, this is their big statement. This is all this kind of this huge uplifting. We are all one. We are all. And it was for an effing <laughs> bilingual remote control. That's what they were selling. Did they use I decree <laughs> in the script? I, I decree. decree. And I, I, I was trying to figure out if this, they were trying to be 
funny or not, and I don't think they were trying to be funny. I think they were being incredibly sincere, but it just was such, to me, such a mismatch between what the product was and what the intent of the message was. Yeah, yeah, advertisers can take themselves uh, very seriously. Yes, they can. I'll, I'll tell you what it does not uh, take themselves too seriously, and I, and I would like to decree that all that all pharmaceutical product ads be as good as, I don't know if we've talked about this, but uh, Chantix. Chantix is the drug that helps you stop smoking. Familiar with Chantix? Yes. Ray Liotta. Yes. Right. Oh, the Ray Liotta commercials are mesmerizing. There's something just incredible, you know. <laughs> they're always in slow motion, like, one of the spots is, seems to be at his home, and he's reading scripts, you know, that people have sent to him, and, and he's kind of hanging out in the garden of this very nice home, beautifully lit, and, and everything's in slow motion, even though not much is happening. He's just sort of, you know, looking at a script and reading a script, and then he's walking down the hall. And then he's, you know, and he and and uh, he feebly tosses a frisbee three feet. He tosses to his dog. a frisbee, right? <laughs> and 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 then what I really like about the ads is his voiceover because he talks so slowly. He goes, "I really had trouble stopping smoking. That's when I decided to try Chantix. Chantix." really helped with my urge to smoke. And that's how he talks. And, and there's about, I don't know, 28 words in a 60-second ad. He's like, I, I really had a hard time with smoking. <laughs> he's, he's, he's dour uh, and ultra-sincere, and I just can't get beyond thinking I'm watching scene from Latter-day Goodfellas. You know, it, he feels like the same character to me. Really? The guy in Goodfellas is manic. He's nuts. He was manic at the end. Yeah. When yeah. He, but, but yeah, he, he, he has that voice and uh, and you empathize with him because he said, I, I really wanted to smoke. <laughs> you know? And you empathize with him and he talks so slowly and then there's the hypnotic visuals of him, you know, flipping getting a script out of the mailbox and and throwing a dog to his a bone to his dog and i think it's just incredible yeah judging how from how slowly he moves in those commercials my guess is he hasn't kicked the habit yet <laughs> still working on it i just picture the the copywriter recording him knowing that you know this has to be a 60 second read and probably frantically like scribbling out lines because he can't read it fast enough he's like that's why I tried Chantix, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's going, oh, my God. He, he reads the first one. It's supposed to be a 58, and he, and he comes in at like a minute 42, <laughs> and the copyright is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, Mr. Leota, could you try just a little bit faster? Oh, sure. Or else I wouldn't read it that way, son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what my, that's what my announcer my first recording session as an advertising professional, the re the voice, the voiceover, who's a very big, popular voiceover at the time, did all the commercials. I tried to get him to read it a certain way, and he wasn't reading it the way I wanted to, and he finally goes, I wouldn't read it that way if I was you, son. He sunned you. <laughs> he, he did. He did sun me. I would have... Uh, now, if that happened today, I would have, I would have, I would have Tom Karamidist him. I would have champed him. I would have said, you know what, this session's over. You'll, you'll get your, you'll get your fee. You'll get your payment. But we're done here. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Just to do once, just to have the cojones to say, you know what, as, as it turns out, what you just gave us is perfect. We're done. <laughs> Tom, that's that's Tom Karamidist's difficult director speech. Hey, you know, when when a director is difficult on the set, you finally go to him and go, you know what, we're, you're done here. You're done. We we're, we're good. No, we're good. We'll, we'll finish this spot without you. You go. You did great. You did great. We're you know the first two shots you did. We got 19 to go, but the first two are great. And and you're done. Thank you. You'll, yeah. you'll get paid. Don't yeah. worry. You'll get paid. And you know what? The rest of the day is all yours. You can do whatever you want the rest of the day. <laughs> I want to decree 
uh, an end to... Hey, wait, a, wait, a, uh, just you're before not you do that, well. I, I wanted this one other Chantix. Chantix has moved on from Ray Liotta, which was excellent, to the equally excellent Cold Turkey ads. Have you seen oh, I love the Cold those. Turkey I ads? I love that animation. That Co- tur- yeah, totally different idea and a style of idea, but equally compelling. Yes. Not quite as compelling, let me say, as Ray Liotta, but still very good. The Cold Turkey idea. So yes. Kudos to Chantix. And kudos to that animation company because that turkey is really well animated. He's lovable, and I like the gestures, and yeah. he moves. He does move in a slow way, kind of like Ray Liotta. Well, he they shuffles. wanted they wanted to provide continuity from the previous effort. You know, the probably the first animation styles, you know, were frenetic, and the agency said, you know, this is great, but you know, think about where the consumer has been with Chantix. They've been with slow motion shots of Ray Liotta. You know, getting something out of the fridge, getting a bottle of water out of the fridge. That's what America has been looking at. So just slow your roll, Sparky. All right. Slow your roll. It's just dial it back a little bit. And the target is rarely more than five feet away from an ashtray. So let's just make sure every scene with our turkey is within <laughs> arm's length of an ashtray. Anyway, sorry. I, I just wanted to mention the other excellent Chantix effort. Go ahead with your next decree. I decree. decree. Gary will 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 smile at this one. I know, um, uh, and because I would venture to guess that any radio commercial done for local a local football team anywhere in the U.S. will contain a sound effect in it, and I'd sure hope that the players involved in the sound effect are getting some kind of royalty for its unending use. You all have heard the sound effect. It sounds like. <laughs> and <laughs> lots of hard hitting action <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Alabama, it's, LSU. <laughs> it's when they crash into each other, the players. Like it's a the play the the ball's been snapped. It's like <laughs> yeah, and so the growl of <laughs> you know that was somebody's voice taken from an old NFL films thing. <laughs> anyway, it's 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 a little tired. The the, the, the local local advertising is. Is, is can be infuriating um, and I remember about a week ago I was on the train and a, a billboard uh, went by uh, and once again struck me as an out-of-town agency a national agency trying to localize a spot it was a billboard and it said um, share a first-rate grin with the whole second city whoa yeah uh, and uh, you know it's like using shy town in a commercial in fact the commercial recently did use shy town nobody here ever says shy town no. or the second city no yeah shy town is is really yeah, yeah. Un, unacceptable unacceptable you haven't done your homework if you're using shy town for that matter i don't think chicago is very fond of being called the second city I don't know that I'd use that as in as a copywriter's gambit. Yeah. So I decree, no more localized ads. You know, hire a hire a local agency that knows the turf and knows how to speak to the target. Right. Don't don't come in here from California thinking you know you're gonna wink wink and you're one of us because we see right through that. So there. I have a decree that's Halloween-related. Whoa. I know that Halloween was <laughs> 10 days ago. Uh, but I would like to talk about Halloween. And more specifically, well, I'll talk about a couple things Halloween-related because we just had Halloween. One is, um, I would like to decree that you shall that no one shall be allowed to trick-or-treat over... Uh, I'm going to say the age of 13. Because once you're over the age of 13, you're in high school, right? You're in high, you're in high school. You can't, you can't uh, trick or treat anymore. And if you're going to, if you're going to, you have to make an effort. Gary Doyle calls out the trick or treaters, the old trick or treaters who come to his door, the ones that let's say have a a Cubs hat on, and I'll say, well, what's your costume? And they'll say, I'm a Cubs player, man. Right or or they wear an overcoat and they'll say, "Oh, I'm a hobo." No, Mm-mm. no, sorry, too old and not enough effort. It's like it's like lazy 
songwriting. I decree that those people shall not trick or treat, or they will get called out by Gary Doyle, and I have. You know, I got uh, I got outsmarted by my own cheapness and stinginess this Halloween. I I purposely set out to find the, the most inexpensive bag of combination candy I could. And the night of Halloween, Gary Doyle will remember this well, we had a snowstorm. And by the time I got home from work, we probably had three trick-or-treaters show up. That was it. Mm-hmm. So I had a giant bag of bite-sized Snickers that I'm still plowing through. But, um, yeah, I, uh, sh- I should have splurged. We should have not, not splurged to the length of those full-size Hershey bars, you know. And, oh, God. You know? Are you kidding? No, but, that's uh, crazy. But don't you see that on where you live? You, you live in a very exclusive area of the North Shore. We do live in a... Um, you live rather well. Let's just say it's a, it's a higher demographic. I'm not, I'm not p- casting aspersions on where you live, but it is a different class of people, if you know what I'm saying. It is a different demographic shall we say you live in an area where very few people drive their own cars i live in an area where people put old water heaters out by the curb that never ever happens where i live if you so much as put a shipping box outside your your house to get picked up by the garbage man next to your garbage can oh, forget it you will be scorned yeah let what alone do you mean? what do you mean well you know like let's say you, you get a big shipping early? box no you just put it out with your garbage yeah. instead of being in the can if it's next to the garbage can people get upset about that because it's a, sh- a big cardboard box denigrating the landscape of lake bluff illinois the north shore you might have heard of that term the north shore what are you supposed to do cut the box up i don't know right uh, there's a, there's a guy in our neighborhood who gets so upset about these boxes sitting outside garbage cans and he actually will collect them and pick them up and take them home oh yeah well it's nice because he doesn't like how they make lake bluff look so water heaters absolutely not unacceptable and yes we don't drive our own cars we don't we don't cut our own lawn i do i drive my own car but other people look at me like i'm crazy dude you're cutting your lawn what's what's going on here if I was your neighbor and I decided to rotate my tires on my front lawn, would you look poorly upon that? Yes, I would. I would. I would give you passive-aggressive, dirty looks, and I would pick up walnuts that fall on my lawn from my walnut tree and throw them in your yard. So your landscaping people will have to pick up the walnuts. That's what I'd do. Yeah. yeah. How, how how did we get on this, by the way? Uh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, we were talking about we were talking about the higher end demographic that I live in. <laughs> yeah, I was asking you if your neighbors do the full size Hershey bars. Oh, yeah, back, getting back to Halloween. Yeah, so Tom Karamidas, I'm just impressed that you got the bite sized Snickers because I believe last Halloween you did the extremely lame maneuver of hard candy. Was it not? not was it not candy no, corn? It was. Yes. Ner- it was nerds. Nerds. Okay. I love nerds. Ner- nerds are good. Never give out hard candy in Halloween. It's the worst. Don't give out sweeties. Don't give out Smarties. Don't give out uh, Necco wafers. <laughs> don't give out candy corn. Don't give out nerds. I don't think nerds qualify as hard candy. Oh, yes, they do. I actually embarrassed myself. I came home. Uh, so, actually, I came home from work a little bit. Uh, I th- The tail end of trick-or-treating. And I walked in, and there was a big bowl of nerds on the uh, table inside the house. And I said, uh, Lisa, my bride, I said, oh, this is so lame that you got nerds. And, and it turns out another couple that was over there that had dropped in to visit, they bought the nerds. And so ah. I embarrassed myself. So the girl, the girl and the couple goes, uh, those were mine. So you had to scramble and yeah. work your way through some half-hearted. Yeah. I was like, hey, hey, hey man, um, <laughs> you know, nerds are great. I just feel like, uh, yeah, I had to totally scramble. Yeah. But I did. I did embarrass myself about the nerds. I, I, I accused Lisa of being of a lame Tom Caramidas-like maneuver. And then it turned out it wasn't her. It was our house guest. Our house guest bought the nerds. I admire you for fessing up to that faux pas. I really do. I think uh, I think that's sp- that speaks well of you to admit that. I, I I will fess up to something that I have done on occasion, and I want to ask Gary Doyle if he's ever done this. 
Um, picture yourself in the lobby of your building, waiting for somebody to come down from the elevator, say to walk to an edit or something together. While you're in the lobby, you see a couple of people who you know, but you don't want to talk to. Do you ever take your cell phone and make believe you're talking on the phone? Do you ever hold your deactivated cell phone up to your ear and oh, kind of yeah. go all Bob Newhart and just... Oh, yeah. Well, I tell you when I do that, another great gambit for that is also like if, if you're at a party and you don't want to talk to a person you're talking to anymore and you go, oh, I, I just got a call. And then you put your phone up to your, to, your, to your thing and walk away and come with your phone even though there's nobody on it. Or if you see somebody in any situation you don't want to talk to, you just act like, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That, that, uh, that, that PDF needs to be adjusted. Yeah, and there's nobody there. The other great thing about that gambit is not only are you, you uh, not talking to the other person, but you can now paint an image of yourself as a mover and a shaker, as an impressive person, as you manufacture whatever you want in that phone call. You can, you can do something like, um, yeah, no, tell them I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. We've already paid, and that's the end of the story. No, I know. I know. I know you're uncomfortable, but I don't know what to tell you. So you can, you can summon courage in that situation that you could never summon in real life. So it's a great gambit. It's a great way to brand yourself and also avoid talking to somebody that you don't want to talk to. I felt like an important person yesterday, speaking of a cell phone conversation. So I have those, they're not those wireless uh, earbuds that people have now. I don't use those because A, the batteries die in a year or two, and B, I've heard they're environmentally, to dispose of them, is there's, very ba there's bad chemicals in there, the Apple earbuds. So anyone using those, think about that. They're very bad for the planet. Anyway, I have the wired ones, and I was talking to my daughter on the phone, and I, I've never done this before. You plug it into your phone, and you talk on the phone, and the headphones pick up the conversation, right? And you talk, and p some part of the headphones picks up your conversation. I don't even know what part it is or how they know I'm talking, but the wire, I said, can you hear me? And she said, yeah. And I felt pretty important. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I, 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 ex I know exactly what you're talking about. I also, it also brought back to me Gary Doyle, Mr. Environment. All right, I made the mistake of giving Gary Doyle a free sample from Blue Apron. Oh, one they're of the, the worst. Well, they're all the same, though. But Gary Doyle went positively apoplectic over the amount of packaging in the Blue Apron box. It's abhorrent. But it's all recyclable. No, you don't know that. Did you know that it's uh, just because something is plastic does not make it recyclable? My daughter taught me this. Go to the Blue Apron website, right? It is? Yes. How many people are going to recycle it, though? And if they recycle it, do they really separate out the recycling, or do the garbage people throw it all into one pile, right? So, you, so, so yeah, it may, be recyc it may be recyclable, but there's 14 different packages in there. Same as the Kerrigs, all right? For any of you using Kerrigs, Blue Apron, and Apple earbuds, <laughs> the big three. I want you to think about the the world you're leaving for your children. Tom Kermitus probably has all three of those products that he consumes. No, I don't use earbuds. I find earbuds. I've tried them all. I find them all uncomfortable. Speaking of abhorrent practices, I would like to decree. And we may have talked about this, probably many things tonight we've talked about on, uh, on other podcasts. But I would like to decree to Chicagoans that you can wear another winter coat besides Canada Goose. All right? You can. There are other coats out there. I just want to let you know. The, the fur lining of Canada Goose, I've heard, is, is from, um, I don't know, skunks or minks or something. But it's, it's from animals. And it's not... It's not pleasant for them to have this taken from them uh so i just know that but but my other point is that canada goose is like a 900 hundred dollar coat and when you walk outside on any day below 55 degrees in chicago everyone's got their canada goose on and i want to say you know there are other coats there are there's lots of them you can get a coat that's really warm and stylish for i'll bet 200 dollars. well exactly i i've always found i don't quite i've never i've never understood the the appeal to me it looks like a generic parka that you've been that you've seen since the 1980s you know right but you've noticed this there's a lot of yeah, oh yeah. goose yeah. But that stupid red and white 
little disc logo on the yeah. arm. And, and it's always when the temperature, it's not even that cold. It just gets below 50 and people right. go, okay. Because I spent $900 on I Canada spent, Right. Exactly. It's I, coming I out of the damn get closet. Out, <laughs> I better get out the Canada goose. And, the, and they will wear it on a 45 degree day. I would like to decree that, that you can, that, that people buy another coat besides Canada goose for their winter clothing. How's this going for everybody? This is a little bit like a telethon, is it not? You know, it's funny. We're reaching, uh, I find myself quickly reaching the saturation point. I'm not there yet where we're just going to stare at each other for five minutes at a time. So you all can look forward to that. In the meantime, I would like to speak a little bit about overrated foods. Let me just, before, <laughs> before we move on from the telethon aspect, let me just say, um, we're not going to bring. We're not going to sing. You'll never walk alone. Don't worry. But if you would like to send money to So There, while we're on the phone, you can do that to Whoa. to So There at yahoo.com. We don't have a PayPal set up for that. Perhaps we'll do that after the show. We'll do that after the show. We'll set up a PayPal. If you want to send money for us to continue this enterprise, send it to So There at yahoo.com. That's our PayPal address. Whoa. All right, it's time to talk about overrated foods. I only have one on my list, and every time I have it, I always say to myself, you know what, I gotta remember to talk about this on the pod, all right? The fortune cookie. The you fortune think, cookie essentially- you think anybody loves fortune cookies? Well, well but there, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a tasteless wafer with a piece of paper inside. And you know, I'm all, I don't know about the rest of you, I am just always, Every time I've eaten a fortune cookie, as soon as I've swallowed it, I'm disappointed. I wished I just hadn't even bothered. You know, it's yeah. there's no it, there's nothing to it. And I don't. Do you know anybody that actually likes fortune? Would anybody ever order a fortune cookie or buy a fortune cookie on its own? They always come for free. It comes with your check in the Chinese restaurant, right? Uh, but would you ever? If, would you ever actually go to a bakery, a Chinese bakery, and say, I'll have a bag full of fortune cookies? No. There's no, there's no taste. I have a million-dollar idea. Right. Uh, Cream-filled fortune cookies. Whoa. Or with, with the fortune in there as well? <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an engineering challenge that would need to be overcome. <laughs> um, fortune cookies filled with nougat. Perhaps chocolate-covered fortune cookies million right. dollar idea all right that way you could still have the fortune go. inside there you go uh but yeah i uh i would agree with that i'll tell you another overrated food at the at the risk of offending our millennial listeners because i know you love this avocado toast avocado toast everybody loves it all the millennials love it and yet it's toast with a mashed up avocado on it not a whole lot of flavor not really all that good and yet people love it and the restaurant charges ten dollars for it so it's just basically toast with um with a sliced sliced avocado on it i don't think I've, i'm familiar with this no it's mashed mashed so the avocado might be mashed oh it might be mashed with like some lemon or perhaps some spices like um you know cayenne pepper but really it's just a mashed avocado and you toast you know, toast, you toast mm -hmm. bread and you spread the mashed avocado on the bread on two pieces of bread and then you charge nine ninety five for it. But it's not guacamole on toast. It's, uh, it's close. Made. It's yeah. not, no, it's not guacamole. It doesn't have tomato, right. but it's the same idea. It's mm -hmm. kind of like guacamole without the tomato and the cilantro. It doesn't sound that bad to Tom Karamitis. I don't know if I'd pay $9 for it, but it's... Hmm. Okay. All right. I'll tell you another overrated food, hot dogs. Uh, potentially. If you're talking about Nathan's. Yeah, Nathan's you know, are good. Nice grilled. Thing. Yeah, grilled, grilled Nathan's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But your average hot dog, underwhelming. And yet it's yes. It's like one of America's favorite foods. Yes. Pulled out of boiling water. Yeah. Soggy bun, yeah. yeah. Now, you're from the Midwest. Did you grow up with ketchup on your hot dogs? Uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't, you know, Chicago has this phobia I've never understood about ketchup on hot dogs, but yes, I, yeah. Wait, Chicago, Chicago has a phobia, but I thought Chicago's where they put ketchup on hot dogs. No. 
I had never seen this phenomenon until I got to Chicago because I grew up with mustard and sauerkraut. No. How long have you lived here? Chicago, the rule in Chicago is no ketchup on your hot dog. I, I don't know why it started or why it's a thing, but it's absolutely a thing. If you get hot ketchup on your hot dog, you will be scorned. And you never walk into a hot dog place like Gene and Jude's or, uh, you know, wherever the, you know, the Gold Coast dogs. If you ask for a ketchup on your hot dog, you'll be seen as a rube. Well, I thought it was a Chicago thing because I had never heard of this till I arrived in the Windy Oh, it is a Chicago thing. It is. Oh, okay. The notion of no ketchup. Oh, I'm saying the notion of ketchup. I had never seen put anybody put ketchup on a hot dog till I came out here. If you weren't such a Wisconsin fan, I'm not of Wisconsin all things fan. Wisconsin. Now, when we get into when we get into Wisconsin foods, Tom Kermitus is a is a aficionado. We can go on and on about about sausage and cheese and fried fish and all those things he ate in Wisconsin because he is a fan of all Wisconsin things. I am a fan of cheese. Cheese is my mistress. I do not deny that. <laughs> cheese is your mistress. <laughs> oh, man. That evokes all kinds of visuals. But I think we've discussed in the pot how Gary Doyle tends to gravitate more towards the milder cheeses. Tom Karamite is perhaps a little more adventurous in his cheese selections. Really? Yeah, you tend to not like the blues. Oh, I don't like the, blue. Or the Roqueforts or the... No. Right? No. You tend to like more of the... Um, uh, brie. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. 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 There's a Jack. There's a Jack cheese at the Jewel that's kind of spicy. I like it. And sometimes it's on sale. I have to say, though, like when I have good cheese at a... Let's say, let's say there's a pre-pro. When you have a pre-pro meeting in advertising, that's where you meet to discuss the commercial you're about to shoot and the director lays out their vision and the client comes and the agency comes and it's a big, important meeting. And so the production company will often put out a big plate of cheese and meats and breads and for people to snack on. And I have to say, when I have those cheeses... I think they're excellent. And I think that I need to open myself up more to the world of cheese. Some prosciutto and things like that. Prosciutto. I was I was humiliated once over the word prosciutto. I had never really? had, early in, in, in our my marriage, my wife sent me to get some prosciutto and, and she wrote it out and I had never heard of this before. And I went to the deli counter, I knew it was a meat of some kind. And I asked uh, the guy behind the deli counter for some prosciutto. Mm. And he laughed at me, and mm. the other patrons who had who pulled numbers uh, had, were laughing as well. And he said, "No, son, it's it's prosciutto." <laughs> I wouldn't ask for it that way if I were you, son. Yeah, and look at you now. He's probably still back at that deli slicing prosciutto, and making fun you. of making fun of patrons, making fun of patrons, and look at you, master producer, uh, you know, co-partner of an extremely popular podcast i'm not apparently master producer enough to partake in the i decree stinger but other than that i will accept your gratitude so there you know when you were talking about chantix i I remember we did a bit about uh the names of some of these drugs and if we were to do that bit now i would add in sky rizzy Have you seen the? I think it's Sky Rizzy is for psoriasis. I think it's to treat a skin condition. And every time they mention Sky Rizzy, the camera always. Sky Rizzy sounds like an alien. (laughs) Sky Rizzy. I'm Sky Rizzy. I I need a drug for my anal link. link, (laughs) For my anal leakage. And anal linkage as well. But they always pan off the person and go to a shot of the sky. Just to, just to reinforce Sky Rizzy. I don't really know what s- the sky has to do with it, other than, I guess, to create a, some kind of mnemonic that people will remember the name of it. But, um, but uh, there's another uh, drug or health-related commercial, and I'm trying to remember what it was for. It was, it's some kind of it's a hospital or healthcare thing. I believe it's Anthem. Anthem Healthcare. Okay. I think. And have you heard the music they're using? Oh, the, yeah. Was it? It's like it's it's a rearrangement of the Partridge Family theme from the ni- early 1970s, and they changed the lyric to "Come on, get healthy." Yeah, the song is oh, "Come on, get happy." Loving is what we'll be yeah. bringing to make you healthy. healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they run that commercial constantly on the Cubs games. So I watch most of the Cubs games, and it's 
It's, it, it runs probably five or six times per broadcast. Yeah. And then it pollutes your mind because then it cycles through your brain the rest of the day, right? The, the target must be 60-somethings, right? People who watched The Partridge Family in its original run in the early 70s, right? Our age and maybe a little older, right? I guess. I don't think it's... Well, that's an interesting question because people that watch healthcare commercials, I think, should are most ages, anywhere from 25 to 75. It's a broad target. But yeah, it's, a, it's an odd music choice because you have to be at 50 and above to know that song. That was the theme to the Partridge Family song uh, yeah. series, which I used to love. But an inter- interesting thing about those ads, so it won't be interesting to anybody but you and me, but, but I saw them so often that I could deconstruct them. And interestingly enough, most of the shots are medium shots. They don't go in tight on the actual faces singing. And I think that's because the actors couldn't sing and they wanted to have a fail-safe of, we have to stay wide enough on this person. So when we dub in them singing the viewer can't tell that they're not singing. Do you know what I mean? That it's not their voice. They had to stay wide because oddly, most of those shots are medium to wide shots. They rarely cut in tight to have somebody singing to make you healthy. Like they rarely do. And I'm convinced that's because they were like, look, we got to find other actors to sing because all these people can't sing. So we got to stay medium or stay wide. I just find it really interesting. I think there's a version, there's an edit of that commercial though without singing though because there's also the, 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 there's an arrangement of it with that solo female singer and she's just so achingly sincere and cloying about her delivery it's uh, very cloying yeah it's very that's a good word it's very cloying it makes me it makes me scratch it makes me crave Sky Rizzy when I watch that Sky commercial. Rizzy <laughs> I need, I need right. to take Sky Rizzy for my at this point, at this point in the proceedings, I need to ask the audience: Has so there jumped the shark at this moment? All right, we're fifty-four minutes and forty-two seconds into the longest podcast by far we have ever done. I have think, we jumped the shark? <laughs> um, send us send us messages at so there at yahoo.com. That's part of the telethon experience. You may send us messages to so there at yahoo.com right now, and we will read them on the air. But also, if you'd like to send us money. <laughs> We, we promise to forward that to a charity. We don't know which one yet, but if you would like to send us money, we won't just keep it. But we are trying to make this as much of a telethon as we can. Gary, is there a charity that you feel particularly close to that you would like to? Um, or are you gonna go like George ball, ball. Costanza and go the human fund and just <laughs> create one? <laughs> Did he have the human fund? <laughs> I have b- balding suburban men. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, do we have time for, for, for any viewer mail? Yes, I think we do. Well, we have all the time in the world <laughs> in the filibuster episode. It's like Ted Cruz read, read uh, Dr. Seuss books for two hours. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, we got a, a message from one of our listeners named Rick. And I discussed, I think I used the word chuffed in a episode a few episodes ago. And, and I we believe had, you misused the word chuffed. We had that discussion, and I didn't think I did, and it turns out maybe I did. I thought chuffed meant annoyed, or I'm, I'm mad at you for that, but it, that's not the case. Tom corrected me. But uh, a, a, a listener named Rick wrote to so there at yahoo.com, Dear Tom and Gary, <clears throat> as a longtime listener and token Brit... In Gary's office, I was chuffed to bits. So he actually did two Britishisms there, chuffed to bits. I was chuffed to bits when Gary asked me to confirm his use of the word chuffed in the last podcast. And I'm chuffed to say you were both right. Although I would say Tom was right first. I believe an Englishman these days would most likely use the word in a positive sense, as in I'd be well chuffed if we all just forgot about Brexit. However, in typical English language tradition, it can also mean the complete opposite. Annoyed, displeased, disgruntled, probably much of what our listeners are experiencing right now, if you happen to read dictionary.com. And in England, one can also, quote, do a chuff, but that means something different again. So there, I hope that has put you and your many more than six listeners Minds to rest. All the best, chaps. God save the chuffing queen. 
That was a good letter. That was an excellent letter. We learned something. Rick is as uh, a co-worker, co-worker, co-worker. I can say he's witty, talented, British, good-looking, uh, and personable. Rick, you are the wise one. Oh, I hope th- I hope the wise one isn't listening. The wise one. You don't know who the wise one is? No. Oh, that was a nickname we had for an account person on Morgan Stanley when I worked at Burnett. He was the wise one because oh. he would always say wise things. Oh. Larry Tormey, if you're listening in New York City, don't be offended by Tom calling somebody else the wise one. I never met is Larry's his name. Larry Tormey. I never met Larry. I'm sure if I knew him, I would have called him the wise one, but... Yeah. Well, this was our 25th episode. I think it's fitting that the 25th one should be should have been some kind of grand celebration of all that so there is. It is. It's kind of like the uh it's sort of like the director's cut of the movie that was originally an hour and a half and and the director's cut is three and a half hours. It's sort of the you know that the uh the the release of the record, the extended version, the great record but then the band releases an extended version of outtakes and and uh, experiments and other songs that didn't make it, make it onto the record. For the true fan only. For the true fan only. So, well, well, the, Or else the other thing, they used to call them for the completists. The completists. Uh, yes. So for you true fans, you completists of So There, we offer this gift to you. I, I decree. decree. I decree that there shall be no more greeting cards more than $1.99. I walked into a store the other day for a greeting card, I forget what the occasion was, and they're all four or five dollars. And they're pieces of paper. You know, they don't they don't even have the sound chip that plays, you know, a song. They don't have any kind of three D uh, things going on. It's just a card that is four ninety nine. What is going on? I cannot accept that decree. I reject that decree. Tom Kermitis is a believer in quality greeting cards. Oh, you're just saying that because Hallmark used to be I a love client. Hallmark. I will only buy Hallmark cards. All right? And if my, and my kids give me cards and it's American Greetings or Papyrus or something, I, I, I first look at the back. I make a curled up bad smell face with my, <laughs> with my nose and then I toss it back in their face. If we were both kings of competing armies, we would amass our armies to clash and, t- and battle each other over this issue of 499 greeting cards. It'll be your army against mine. Two kings clashing in the battlefield over this issue. I think you should look for signature greetings from Hallmark, all right? They're, they're, they don't, not, not only are they well written, but they have beautiful workmanship in the actual creation of the card itself, all right? And they always get a, uh, a wonderful reaction from the recipient. It makes it worth the extra couple of bucks. All right, Gary Doyle's card experience I envision is he walks into a store already in a foul mood, impatient, just doesn't want to be there. This is pure obligation from Gary Doyle. He just grabs the first thing that he lo- he looks for. Actually, probably a card that looks like it hasn't been opened before because it's clean. Yeah, fine. That that'll be fine. Whatever. I got to get out of here. The Bears game is on in 15 minutes. I need to I need to go. That's not the way Tom Karamidas shops for cards, all right? Tom Karamidas looks to recreate the voice that Tom Karamidas would want, all right? I want the reader, the recipient of the card, to read the card and hear my voice and say, this sounds like something Tom Karamidas would say. That's, right? an, that's another million-dollar idea. Somebody should have a greeting card to where you could actually record your voice in the sound chip. They did. Oh, Hallmark did. did that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So when you open it up, it's like... Hi, honey. Happy birthday. It's mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I really do love you. <laughs> I really do love you. I'm sorry for all those things I did. <laughs> and said, I'm sorry for buying the cheese pizza when I know you like pepperoni. I'm sorry for the way things are in China. I'm sorry... Things ain't what they used to be. But more than anything else, I'm sorry for myself that you're not here with me, John Denver. Oh, very nice. Very nice. John Denver, underrated. You talk about underrated foods? Underrated musician. Yes. With songs were lovely. 
and beautiful melodies, a really nice voice, and he could write lyrics. Yeah, yes. Singer-songwriter of highest degree. Also, an underrated actor, if you've ever seen Oh God. Yeah. Oh, boy. George was Burns was in that, good. too, right? Yeah, George yeah. Burns was God, and and John Denver was the grocery clerk. Remember the grocery bagger? Oh, he ran a grocery store, and he met God, and he tried to tell people that he met God. And it was a great movie. Yeah. You know what ep- you know what they're they're advertising a lot on football games? This this TV show called God Friended Me. Yes. Oh my, it's it's oh every you know, it's it's like it's like the anthem ads in Cubs games. Every every there's eight or nine promos for God Friended Me in every football game. Yeah. <laughs> we're really we're running on fumes now. You can We're tell. also getting it's funny. Gary Running and I, on fumes. Gary and I record this pod uh, in the announce booth of a of a little recording studio in the Leo Burnett building, and we're getting dirty looks from the people who <laughs> want to lock up. Yeah, when we when we started out, there was an actual recording session going on next door, which was really exciting. And there's a, a live recording session at Leo Burnett, and then they finished up, and now it's empty. And now the cleaning people are coming in and sweeping around our feet, and they're emptying waste baskets and, <laughs> and flicking the lights on and, and off, flicking the lights on and off, and and uh, you know, and and we just we just stand here continuing to talk. I decree. I would like to decree that one should never send an email with the header from the desk of. Okay? From the desk of Tom Carminus. All right. For one thing, desks can't write emails. They're, they're inanimate objects, they don't have fingers. They don't have arms. They don't have access to a computer. They don't have the wherewithal or the wits about them to write an email and send it. So this the, the, the notion is inaccurate from the desk of. All right. I struggle with that. But also, it's a little bit pompous. You know? Just want you to know I've got a desk, and this email came from a desk. It wasn't, it wasn't from a chair. It wasn't from a table. It wasn't from a kitchen counter. It wasn't from a bed that I'm laying on. It was from the desk of Gary Doyle. It's kind of the equivalent in the old days of of you answer the phone and and an admin says to you, please hold for Gary Doyle. Yeah. You know, you're too important to actually physically dial. (laughs) Dialing is for admins, apparently. I'm just a thinker. Back when we used to have admins, back when there was money in advertising yeah yeah gary doyle's line you know you get somebody would call from outside the office and uh, some admin would pick up and say gary mr. doyle mr doyle's office yeah all right so we're about at the halfway point of this <laughs> week's episode gary and i are going to have a sandwich now we're not going to talk but you'll hear us chew for the next 15 minutes and then we'll resume you know there are there are eating videos. Have you heard about these? When when we pitched we pitched a fast food client a couple of years ago, and I found out there is there are eating videos. All people do is eat. They they film themselves eating a hamburger or some and fries or anything, and they mic up their mouth so you can hear the chewing like that. And these things have millions of views of people just watching people eat, and the camera's stationary. It's just no fancy camera work. It's not a particularly attractive person. They're just eating, and people love that. We could do the first eating podcast. We could do an hour. We could do everything from appetizer through dessert and coffee. Do not say a word. <laughs> just eat. Another million-dollar idea. We didn't think. We thought this would be an interesting experiment, but really what's interesting is it spawned so many million-dollar ideas. Well, I think... As the cleaning ladies start flipping us the bird, yep, the lights just went out. Uh, we're we're going to wrap this up, um, but I do want to, Gary and I do want to show our appreciation for the the, f- the perhaps one or two of you who've actually listened to the very end. And if you send us an email to so there at yahoo.com and say I want to be on the pod, we will have you as a guest on the next podcast. 
But it ha- but it has to be the first the first email. The first email the first time stamped email we receive that acknowledges that you want to be a guest on the podcast. We'll know that means you stuck with us to the very end. We will then contact you, and we will have you as a guest. And you can you can you can as our special guest you can decree things. I decree. You can ask, I wonder why. I wonder why. You can ask, what are the other gambits we employ? Uh, there's one more. <laughs> you can write a letter. You could read viewer mail. You could do whatever you want to do. You could sing. You could sing. You could, bag you could bring your own topics. Yes. You can do whatever you want. Yes, and we will just stare at you in awe and eat. We will also stare at you uh, to intimidate you. So that is the Easter egg we've left for you. And until next time. So there!